Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. They're able to do what they want and finances not be an issue, and the church struggle just to switch a light bulb in the sanctuary. We should not be struggling when it comes to the area of finances, and we should not be struggling when it comes to renovating this building. And I believe not only is a milk, because look at it. I know some of you are going to think that I'm crazy, but in today's day and age, a million dollars really isn't a lot of money. And listen, like I told, like I told the, the church on Friday when they, they were here, you are hooked up and connected to somebody who has an unlimited supply, and all you have to do is ask him, and the moment you ask him, he'll make the withdrawal for you, for the Bible says he is the God of more than enough, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills himself, and the Bible says all the gold and all the silver belongs to him, so if God called Weston Road to accomplish something for the furtherance of the kingdom of God here in Toronto, Canada, then what's money got to do with it? Because if God did the ordering, then God's going to do the providing. Can somebody say amen? So I'm looking forward to what God's going to do through this church here in the coming years. And I I said something a a couple of days ago. I really believe, and it's evidenced by Aaron over there who's got the beard in the... (laughs) But uh, uh, it's evidenced by what he said that people are already praying and fasting for a revival. And listen, the brand new building is not the vision. The brand new building is just the means to accomplish the vision that Weston Road has. And that's to do what Jesus said, to go out to seek and to save that which was lost, to snatch up as many souls as we can from the kingdom of darkness and bring them with us when we go to eternity to live with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's so good to be here this morning. So good to see so many uh, familiar faces, people who I've spoken with on a one-on-one basis. It's funny because of social media, you know a lot of people and you know a lot more information than you should know about a lot of people because of social media. And, uh, and then sometimes, you know, when you walk into churches and you're like, well, I didn't know that person went to church by the things that they post and say on social media. And then you, you, you learn something new everywhere that you go. And uh, so it's good to be here. And uh, I believe God's going to do something mighty uh, this morning in your lives. Maybe, I don't know if you knew that I was going to be here. Maybe you did and you just wanted to come listen to the Portuguese preacher. Maybe you did and you just came here because, hey, you know what? The typical thing to do on Sunday morning is to go to church. And uh, so you just decided I'm going to go to church, not realizing that God has a plan for you, that God has something for you. I don't know. Maybe you're going through something in your life and you need God to step into the middle of your situation. Maybe you need, need a miracle. Well, I've got good news for you. We serve the God of miracles, and I believe God is interested in your situation. He's concerned about every detail and about every area of your life. And today, if you will receive God's word and you will plant it in your heart and take it with you after you leave this place, I believe this morning could be the beginning of a brand new day for you in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? And so I always enjoy coming here uh, to Weston Road. I was not here last year, and I don't think I was here the year, the year before that also. But 
In the last couple of years, God has opened up a lot of doors for our ministry, and we've seen a lot of things happen. Many of you know uh, that I have a a five-year-old son right now. He's going to be six years old in just about, uh, uh, well, three days. Three days he's going to be six years old. uh, But he's not the typical five-year-old because you look at a five-year-old and, uh, you know, they're about like this big. But my son is literally... You know, he, we adopted him. He's blonde, blonde hair and blue eyes. But instead of being like the normal size of a five-year-old, my son literally comes up to my shoulders right here. And, uh, and so the only problem that I have is, you know, a lot of people think he's older than what he really is, and he's not. My problem is when I look at people, uh, people's other kids, and they're five and four and six years old, I seem to think that they're two years old because to me, the size of a normal five-year-old, we should be coming up to your, coming up to your shoulders, and so I feel like by the time he's ten years old, he's probably going to tower his dad. So that's why right now I have to show him who's boss, and I've got to put him in place. Can somebody say amen to that? And uh, and so my wife and I, uh, my wife and I also adopted, and, and I believe uh, Lily was not in our family the last time that I was here. Maybe I was going through the process. I can't remember, but my wife and I all also adopted a little baby girl and uh, her name is Lily and she is two years old and it was just amazing a couple of uh, weeks ago I was in the I was in the I was in the van I bought my wife a brand new van and uh, we were driving to church or I was driving to go pick up my son at the Christian uh, Christian elementary school that he goes to and my daughter you know it's amazing how two-year-olds I remember when we were younger and my parents would ask me what I want for Christmas and I would say like give me some hot wheel cars or get me a GI Joe or GI Joe's or Thundercats or something like that but now you ask a two-year-old what they want for for Christmas and for their birthday they all of a sudden start saying they want like an iPod or an iPad and if you're here and you don't know how to use an iPod or an iPad, just ask any two-year-old. They'll, they'll be more than willing to show you how to use one. And so, but I was in the car and my, and my daughter was, she had my iPhone in her hand and she was listening to this group called Bethel Music. How many have ever heard of Bethel Music? I, I think, honestly, for me, they've become one of my favorite worship uh, bands out there. And I believe, you know, as believers, we ought to always have an atmosphere of praise and an atmosphere of worship around us because with that, what happens is it you know, in an atmosphere of praise, in an atmosphere of worship, we're protected and we're guarded by God from the enemy. And I believe that when we uh, begin to praise God and begin to worship God, what happens is we actually allow God to step into our atmosphere. And when he steps into our atmosphere, how many of us know that where God is, the enemy cannot be in the same place. And so when God steps in, your enemies step out in Jesus' mighty name. And so my daughter was in the back of the van and she was holding my iPhone and uh, she was listening to Bethel music. And uh, I forgot what the name of, of the song was that she was listening to, but she, she had her hands lifted high in the air. Oh, that's what it was. Your praise will ever be on my lips. And so she was singing at two years old, your praise will ever be on my lips with one hand holding the cell phone and the other hand to the sky. And, uh, you know, when she notices, she has to do everything that she sees the people doing uh, on, on the screen. So if they're jumping and dancing, then she's going to jump and she's going to dance. And so I don't mind that. I'm, I'll let her jump and dance for Jesus all she wants. 
We got a world that's jumping and dancing for the devil. We need some people that are jumping and dancing for Jesus. Can somebody say amen? I don't care if she goes to church, you know. I don't care if she comes with me to the most conservative church. People can look at her and think she's crazy if she's jumping and dancing for Jesus. But you know what? As believers, people should think we're crazy. People should look at us and say, well, they're not normal people. There's nothing ordinary about them. And your response should be, well, exactly. There is nothing ordinary about me because the Bible says the supernatural power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within me. And if that power lives within me, then that means that I've got resurrection power on the inside of me. So you're correct in saying I'm not a normal or an ordinary person. I have lost my mind over 15 years ago and I replaced it with the mind of Christ and I've made up my mind. If I've got to be crazy for Jesus, then I'm going to be crazy for Jesus. But all I know is this, that this generation, but I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that this generation does not go to hell, but they come with me into the eternal kingdom of God when Jesus Christ comes back for his church. Can somebody say amen? And so in the last couple of years, God has opened up a lot of doors. I've lost like 55 pounds. And so if you thought I was long-witted when I was chubby, just imagine 55 pounds lighter. Pastor John said, take your liberty, brother. I've known many pastors who have said, take your liberty, brother, for only 45 minutes to regret ever saying, brother, take your liberty. But I promise for those of you that have that roast in the oven, I'll let you out before your house burns down today. But, but a year ago, I had the opportunity to go to the nation of India. Do we have any people from India here? I, I, oh, there they are, right in the back. How could I have missed them? It's because they were sitting in the back, and there they are. I went to the nation of India. I went to Chennai, India. And uh, at the beginning of January, I started praying and asking the Lord. I said, Father, I need you to open up the nations of the world to this ministry. I'm thankful for where you've brought me. I'm thankful for, you know, opening the doors up all over Canada. I went to a Baptist church last year here in Cambridge, Ontario, probably like about an hour from here or an hour and maybe a couple of hours from here. But a Baptist church invited me to go to their their place to speak. And I told them, I want you to know that I'm Pentecostal and I don't change the message anywhere that I go. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm not ashamed to pray in other tongues. And so, you know, I've been to churches where they say, you know, we're more like classical Pentecostal. So if you can refrain from praying in tongues, then we would really appreciate it. If you could refrain from praying in tongues, well, you know, I'm the type of person, if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what you told me not to do. And so when they gave me the microphone, I said, everybody lift your hands. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, go ahead and pray in other tongues. And I began praying in tongues right there at the beginning of the service. And so the pastor knew he was in for a treat. And, uh, But I went to a Baptist church about a year ago here in in, uh, Toronto area, and there were many people, well, I say many, but in a Baptist church, that would be many. Uh, And so two people in a Baptist church last year, both of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the lady was like, what in the world is going on? I said, lady, just be quiet and let the Holy Ghost minister to you. He's filling you with the mighty Holy Spirit, and your life is never going to be the same ever again. And so, you know, I pray that the Holy Spirit is changed her life and that she's caught on fire for the things of God. But like I said, last year, God has opened up many doors for us. And so I went to India and when I started praying and asking the Lord to open the door for me to go to India, to go to the nations of the world, it was within like eight hours or so that I got a phone call from somebody at a Bible college that I ministered at. And they said, 
we want to know if you would be interested in going to in, uh, coming to our nation to come and preach in India. Now, I've heard many people say, as I run across many ministers, I've heard many of them say, well, brother, give me a call next week. We want to have you come to our church and, uh, you know, let's set something up. And so, you know, the following week comes along and I called them up and they were all gung-ho for having us come to their church. And then all of a sudden they come up with excuses why they can't have you. So, I you know, I've run across a lot of people that mean good and w- when they see you at the time, but sometimes they never follow through. And so this guy said, we want you to come to the nation of India and says, we want you to come to the nation of India in in the summertime. And I told them, I said, listen, I said, I'll come to India during the summer, but the only time that I could come to India would be between the days of July 13th and August 1st. And all of a sudden they started laughing and they said, well, the dates we were going to ask you to come to India was July 13th through August 1st. And so I knew right from the beginning there that God uh, was orchestrating this whole event. And so when I made the commitment to go to India, they asked me, what is it that you need in order for you to come to India? They said, what, financially speaking, what do we have to give you in order for you to come here and preach within the 17 days, within the 17 days that you are here to preach 27 times? How much money do we need to give you in order for you to do that? Do we got to buy a plane ticket? Do we need to pay for your hotel? Do we need to pay for your visa? You know what I told them? You don't have to do absolutely anything. You don't have to pay for our ticket. You don't have to pay for our hotel tell you don't have to pay for our food or for our visa our ministry and our partners in the churches that we minister in all across north america we will gener- we will willingly pick up the cost of everything in order for us to go there so that there will be no financial burden to the people of india when we come to preach all we want to do is preach minister to people and invest in their lives well let me tell you what when i went to go look at the plane ticket online to see how much it cost. It's it's a good thing that I told them our ministry would take care of the plane ticket before I even realized how much a plane ticket to India really was. Because when I looked at the price of the plane ticket, I immediately began praying in the Holy Ghost and asking the Lord for a miracle. But how many of us know Brother Shuttlesworth, who I used to work for, said, if you order something, then it's your responsibility to pay for it. But if God orders it, then it's God's responsibility to bring about the provision. And so within 20 24 hours of booking that meeting, I hadn't even mentioned to anybody that I was going to India. And within 24 hours, somebody from the state of Alaska gave me a call and they said, Brother, we want to ask you a question. Is there any way on your ministry website that we can financially give towards this trip that you are playing, uh, uh, that we can give into your ministry? And I said, yes. My response to them was, well, what evangelist do you know doesn't allow for people to give through their website? I said, of course we allow giving through our website. And within five minutes, this one person all the way from the state of Alaska on the other side of the country, they sowed a seed into our ministry that completely took care of the whole plane ticket. And so we went to uh, India with that part of the budget completely fulfilled and completely paid off. And so we got to India and all we had to do was just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the story gets better. I get to Logan Airport, give the lady my ticket. I had faithful in the car 
economy ticket at the time, you know. So I gave the lady my ticket. It makes this weird noise. I flew over on Emirates Airlines. And she says, well, she's like, today's your lucky day. And I told that lady, if you only know, I'm a child of God. I don't operate by luck. I operate by the favor of God that's upon my life. And so she said, I said, what do you mean today's my lucky day? Anyway, she's like, well, instead of flying economy, you're going to be flying first class all the way to India, meaning that your seat, she's like, pretty much not only do you have a seat, but you pretty much have a whole room in the plane just for yourself. And while everybody else is crammed like sardines on the back of the plane, you'll have a nice, comfortable bed that you can sleep the whole 20 hours on your way to India. And so I got on, I got on the plane, got to India, and let me tell you what, we've seen miracle after miracle after miracle happen. They took me to so many, they took me to the hospital to lay hands on the sick. Here I am in the middle, you know, be thankful for the hospitals you have here in North America because the hospitals they have there, my, I, I wouldn't let anybody in there. And, uh, and so I laid hands on the sick while they were in the hospital. They came to the services and they're jumping up and down and they're saying, like, they're saying, we're the person that you prayed for while we were at the hospital. We, we, were, we were released the very next day. The power of God came upon us and we were healed and they took me to different places to go and preach the gospel outside of Chennai. They said, where you're going to go is very heavily populated by Muslims and populated by Hindus. And so, you know, as we were going to this location, I could sense, you know, the, the atmosphere beginning to change. I could sense the strongholds in the atmosphere. But, you know, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so it doesn't matter how great the stronghold may be in an atmosphere. As a child of God, when you step into that atmosphere, you now become the stronghold and you take dominion and authority over every work of the enemy. Can somebody say amen? And so I gave the people, there was a, a room filled with like 300 people, and I gave people an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In that room, there was about 250 to 275 people that were Muslims and Hindus. And when I gave the invitation for people to receive Christ, there were 250 people that stood to their feet and they made their way to the front and they turned their, they turned their back on Muhammad. They turned their back on the religion of uh, Hinduism and they said yes to Jesus, repented of sin, and and today, their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of a people here in North America who invested in them so that they could have hope in eternity. Can somebody say amen? And so I said all that to say this. When they received the offering for our ministry at the end of the service, it's not so that I can go down the street and have myself a couple of wings or eat at a, at a nice fancy restaurant. Everything that comes in is going to go so that we can take more Muslims and Hindus and convert them to Christianity and make sure their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Can somebody say amen? When you attach yourself financially to soul winning, listen, take it from experience and take it from the Word of God. When you attach yourself financially and generously to the kingdom of God, when it comes to soul winning, you will never have a need that God will not be able to meet. Can somebody say amen to that? How many of you have your Bibles today? Told you. You're going to regret saying, have your liberty. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Nunzio, buddy, how are you doing? Good. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. I'm going to be speaking to you on what I have titled, Jesus is greater than the storm. 
How many people could honestly say that you've had a couple of storms that you have gone through in life? Well, I've got good news for you. All of us, you know, this isn't the good news, but all of us go through some storms in life. But the good news is this. Jesus that you serve and the Jesus that lives on the inside of you is greater than any storm that could ever come your way. So in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, I want to begin reading here as Jesus steps into the boat and they encounter the storm on their way to the other side. This is what the Bible says. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats, although other boats followed at the same time. Verse 37 says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill the water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified and they said, Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds... In the waves, obey him. And for this service and for this message, I believe that the Lord has given to me for you. I'm going to specifically concentrate on a certain phrase throughout the, throughout the whole message. I know sometimes, you know, every pre- preacher is different. Some preachers will take a portion of scripture and they will completely dissect the scripture. Other preachers will take a portion of scripture and they will begin to deliver revelation knowledge that God has imparted into them. And I believe in these last days, God is going to do more of that style of preaching, revelation preaching, so that we can get a hold of what God is trying to release and what God is trying to say in these final days. And so that we can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus with everything that is happening in the midst of this world. And so for today's message, I'm going to concentrate specifically on a certain phrase, and it comes out of verse 35 where it says, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross on over to the other side of the lake. And so as we get into this message this morning, I want to first start off by looking at the beginning of this chapter, Mark chapter 4, because we need to realize what's going on at the beginning of Mark chapter 4. And what's happening is this, Jesus is teaching, is in the middle of a teaching with his disciples And he's using parables as he's doing this teaching with his disciples and with the other people that are that are listening. And the parable that or the teaching that he's talking about is about the sower sowing seed. And in verse fourteen, Mark chapter four, verses uh, I believe verse fourteen, Jesus makes the the statement that the seed that is being sown in this parable is the word of God. Now, how many of you have ever looked at a, at a seed with your natural eyes? When you look at a seed, there's it, it, it's very small to the natural eye, and it doesn't look like much. But in that seed is the potential to release an abundance of what it represents. And so likewise, the Bible is referenced as seed. And when God's word is sown into our spirits, that word has the potential to release an abundance of what we need. For God's word says in Isaiah that his word 
when it is sent out, it never returns back void, but God's word always produces with what it was sent out to do. But I believe in order for the word of God to produce and in order for the seed to grow, the seed must be sown into good ground, meaning that the seed must be sown into ground that has uh, an attitude of belief and not an attitude of doubt. Because the Bible says, let not the double-minded person expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. And so along with receiving the word of God with an attitude of faith and not doubt, what we also need to do as believers is we need to cultivate the ground as we would in the natural. But instead of using natural water, when we cultivate the, the, the ground or the soil of our heart with the word of God, we cultivate it with prayer and with a heart of an expectation of a return of what was sown into our, into our hearts. You see, listen, as believers, there should be no doubt that when the Lord says he is going to do something, he means exactly what he says. And when he says he's going to do it, then God is going to bring it about to happen in your life. Can somebody say amen? And so it's important to realize and it's important to remember as we look at, as we look at our text that we should have an expectation of a return whenever any seed is sown. Because the reason we need to remember that he was teaching on sowing seed is because when Jesus steps into the boat in Mark chapter 4 with his disciples, he says something to them and he says, Let's cross on over to the other side. And so on their journey to the other side of the, uh, of the lake, as they're going there, the Bible says that they encounter an unexpected storm along the way. One moment, these disciples, they are enjoying the trip. They're enjoying the, the, uh, a, a nice sail across the Sea of Galilee. And then with just a few minutes, the very next moment, these very same disciples who were enjoying their trip across the Sea of Galilee are now fighting for their lives. Within a few minutes, everything was calm, everything was peaceful, but within a few minutes, the scene of their lives drastically changed for them. And you know, oftentimes that's exactly what happens in our life. One moment things are going great, and then the very next moment it feels like somebody gave you a blow to the gut, and you're trying to fight for air, you're trying to fight for your next breath. And maybe you're here today, and maybe this is the situation that you find yourself in in life. The scene of your life has changed quickly, and it's changed without any warning. And you may find yourself here in this place fighting the greatest fight that you have ever fought in your life. But I believe God sent me all the way from Maine to Toronto to encourage you this morning and to tell you today, no matter how difficult the situation may be in your life, no matter how hopeless the situation may look in your life, I've come to tell you that the battle that you are in is not your battle to fight, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And I've come to tell you this morning, regardless of what you may see happening in the natural, you're going to make it to the other side of the lake. Can somebody say amen? 
You see, we have all encountered unexpected storms in our lives. Now, we don't plan on these things happening. We don't plan on these things coming into our life. But just like the disciples, when they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in another portion of Scripture, Matthew says, And suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. And in the spirit realm, I realize oftentimes this is how the enemy operates. He operates very similar to the storms that may happen in the natural. The enemy will come unexpectedly and he will come without any warning. He he attacks unexpectedly and without any warning. Why? Because his goal is to destroy you. His goal is to bring you down. His goal and his strategy is to catch you off guard. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says that there is a God in heaven who never sleeps and he never slumbers. And while the devil may catch you off guard, the Bible says God is never caught off guard because the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. And along with that, he's already made the way of escape for you. The Bible says he's already got a plan in motion for your victory before the attack even comes in Jesus' mighty name. See, when Jesus stepped into that boat, do you honestly think he didn't know about the storm that they were about to encounter? He, knew, he knows the, the end from the beginning. Jesus knew the storm was going to come. Jesus knew what his disciples were going to encounter. But Jesus steps into the boat anyway. Why? Because he was not going to allow anything to take him. He wasn't going to allow anything from keeping him from making it to the other side. And in the same way, listen, you can't allow the storms of your life to keep you from possessing what God said you can have. The storms, you can't allow the storms of your life to stop you from making it to the other side. But I've come to declare to you today in the midst of the greatest storm that you may have ever you have ever faced in your life. I've come to prophesy over you this morning that you're going to make it to the other side in Jesus mighty name. Can somebody say amen? See the Bible says that God does not allow anything to come our way that he knows we would not be able to handle. So in a sense, you know what God was saying? Through the Apostle Paul, when he spoke those words, what God was saying is in the middle of everything that appears in your life, whether it be good or whether it be bad, I have confidence. This is what God is saying. I have confidence that you're going to make it. Because if I didn't have confidence that you weren't going to make it, I would have stopped it from coming your way. But the mistake that a lot of people make is they think that God is the author of the storm. But God is not the author of the storm. The word of God says he is the author and the finisher of your faith that will take you to the other side of the storm. We've got to stop looking at the storm as something that was created to defeat us. And we've got to start looking with the eyes of faith and declaring this storm was created so that I could overcome it and defeat it in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? 
See, this text illustrates to us today, no matter how great the storm of your life may be, no matter how fierce the waves and the winds may be, you are on your way to the other side. Yes, the storm may be great, but I've come to tell you, Jesus is greater than the storm. Not only is he greater than the storm, he is greater than any struggle that you may face. He is greater than any disappointment. He's greater than any sickness and disease. He's greater than any doctor's report. And because he's greater, if you will stay connected to him and his word today, every storm in your life has no option but to die in Jesus' name. You see, as we look at this portion of scripture this morning, there's a few things that I want to pull out that are going to help you to overcome the storms of life. And he begins by looking at what Jesus was teaching the people before they got into the boat. I believe when Jesus was teaching his people about the sower in the seed, I'm convinced Jesus was preparing their hearts for the seed, which was the word of God that he was about to speak to their spirits. Because just like God knows about everything that is going to happen before it happens, I'm also convinced by reading the Bible that God will never leave you unprepared or empty-handed to fight the storms of life by yourself. But God always gives you something to hold on to, and that something that he gives you is the word of God. Can somebody say amen? You see, we as people sometimes have a hard time believing people's words because they oftentimes go back on their word. You know, those people who you call your friends, they may disappoint you and they may go back on your word. Doctors may disappoint you. Lawyers may disappoint you. We all know politicians are going to disappoint you and they're going to go back on their word. But the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. And God said, I have put my word above that name, meaning that if I said I'm going to do something, then you can bet your bottom dollar. If I said I'm going to do it, then I'm going to bring it to pass in your life in Jesus' name. If God says he's going to heal you, then God's going to heal you. If God says he's going to deliver you, then God's going to deliver you. If God says I'm going to make Western Road Pentecostal Church in North York, Ontario look beautiful, then he's going to make it look beautiful again. Can somebody say amen? You're going to make it to the other side of your storm. I believe one of the greatest mistakes that the disciples made was they forgot the seed or the word that, God, that, that Jesus had spoken to them as they stepped into the boat. And the seed in the word that he had spoken to them was, let's cross on over to the other side. In the mind of Jesus, he was getting to the other side. There was no doubt that when he got on that boat, his next step on dry ground would be on the other side of the lake. Jesus is not like so many people who say one thing and believe another. Jesus gave them a specific word. He said, let's cross on over to the other side. He didn't say, as funny as it's going to sound, Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? Let's go halfway across the Sea of Galilee. And I think halfway across the Sea of Galilee would be a, 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 a pretty good spot for the boat to capsize and for us to drown in our sorrows. No, Jesus didn't say we're going to go halfway and drown. He said, we're crossing on over to the other side. And I've come to tell you, you're going to make it to the other side. Your boat's not going to capsize. You're not, your boat's not going to topple over. You're not going to 
sink and you're not going to drown in your sorrows. But I've come to tell you, you're going to make it to the other side of that storm. Can somebody say amen? But you've got to hold on to the word that God has given you in your life. You've got to hold on to that word, even when it makes no sense. Can somebody say amen? Because listen, there have been great people on the earth who have missed out on great things from God. Why? Simply because they neglected to hold on to the word of God. We see this principle all throughout the scriptures. In Numbers chapter 13, God told Moses, he said, send the 12 spies into the land that I am giving them. Their responsibility was to go into the land, to check out the land, and see that what God said was true. And when they went into the land, they saw how beautiful the abundance and how big the fruit that were in the land. And they came back to report to Moses everything that they saw. And so as they came back, 10 of them came back with a negative report. And they said, everything that God said about the land is true. But there is no way that we will ever be able to possess it because there are giants in the land and they are stronger than we are. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. They went against what God said because God said, I'm giving you the land. They said, there's no way we'll be able to take possession of the land. And because they spoke contradictory to what God said, 10 of those spies never got to enter the promised land. Only two of them did, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because when everybody else says we won't be able to do it, Joshua and Caleb, they believed the word, they received the word, and then they began to declare, we are more than able to conquer the land. Let us go in at once. And as a believer, as a child of God, you've got to believe it, you've got to receive it, and then you've got to declare it to God, declare it into the atmosphere, and let the devil know, you can do what you want to do, but I'm going to receive everything that the Lord has has made available to me in Jesus' mighty name. Can somebody say amen? See, the disciples had Jesus in the boat with them. But we not only have Jesus with us, we also have Jesus living on the inside of us. With a word that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I told the church this story on Friday when I went to India. People ask me all the time. I know probably the Indians that are in here are going to find this funny. This is just North American mentality. But when I went to India, people asked me, are you afraid to go to India? Now, I wasn't afraid to go to India. I was excited to go to India. But everywhere I went, there were religious people all over the place. Brother, if I were you, I'd be afraid to go to India. I don't know about you, but I think you should think twice about getting on that plane before you go all the way across to the other side of the world to preach the gospel. You need to protect yourself. Well, I am protected. I got the blood of Jesus Christ all around me. Bible says every place the sole of my feet treads upon, God has given to me the land. Can somebody say amen? But you know what? After hearing people asking me all the time if I was afraid to go to India, guess what started happening to me? I was getting afraid 
great to go to India. And before you know it, July 13th was already there. And I was excited. It, it, was, it seemed like forever for me to get to, on that plane to go to India. But then when fear started striking, striking my spirit, it, started to, it seemed like the days were going faster and faster and faster. And I thought to myself, man, before you know it, I'm on a plane and I'm out to the middle of nowhere where I don't even know one single person. Don't even speak their language. The only thing that I knew how to say when I was there was Shatamad. And I think that means like shout or whatever. I would say Shatamad, hallelujah. I'd get off the plane and they'd be like, Sotram, 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 like praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you know? So I understood that. And so everywhere I went, uh, you know, when, when they asked me something, I would just say Sotram, Sotram, Sotram. And they, they would get happy. And you know what I realized? They, when, when they say yes with their head, they don't, they don't say yes like this. When they say yes with their head, they're like, like that. I'm like, no, no, yeah, no, no, we like it. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's that? what's that? No, no, that means no in America. This means yes in America. This means no. And so, but when I got to, people would always ask me, they would say, are you afraid to go to India? And I said, well, why would I be afraid? And one person said, well, because the dominant religion in India is not the religion that you're a part of. But as soon as they said that, fear was building up in me. But as soon as they said that, they said the dominant religion in India is not the religion that you're a part of. I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, son, you may not be part of the dominant religion in India, but you carry the presence of the dominant God on the inside of you. And the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so I made up my mind. I don't care if there's a million devils waiting for me when I step off of that plane. The moment my foot hits the ground in India, every devil is going to scatter in the name of Jesus. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can somebody say amen? And I've come to tell you that the Jesus on the inside of you is greater than any storm that you may face in life. He's greater than any sickness and disease. He's greater than any addiction. Can somebody say amen? And I've come to tell you that your boat is not going to flip over. You're not going to sink, but you're going to make it in the name of Jesus. Because even though the storm may be great, Jesus is greater than that storm. In these last days, the church has been crying out to God to do things that he said, I've given you the power and I've given you the authority over it. Jesus said, you go cast out devils. You heal the sick. You save the lost. Jesus, the word of God says he will do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. But it doesn't stop there. He's going to do all those things through the power that is at work within you. There is a power in every child of God this morning that will nullify the work of the devil. Christianity has been under attack in our nation. Our children, I don't know how it is here in Canada, but in America, our children are being bombarded from every side with political correctness and a false propaganda. Our kids in elementary school no longer know which is the proper bathroom that they can use in the public school system. And as much as we disagree with what is happening in our nation, 
nation and in our public schools, our fight is not against people. Our fight is against principalities. It's against powers of darkness. Listen, it may look like we're losing for the moment, but I've come to tell you today what it looks like and what reality is are two different things. And the reality is this. God said, I have built a church on the earth and you are part of that church. And Jesus said, there is no power in hell that will, that will be able to prevail and conquer the church in this earth. Can somebody say amen? The governments of this world may be trying to form an alliance with each other against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in you is the power to reverse every work of the devil. And no power in hell this morning will prevail against you if you will hold on to the word of God. You've got to hold on to God's word. Even when it makes no sense, you've got to hold on to God's word. Because in God's word is the power to reverse every situation that the enemy tries to bring out bad. God can take anything that the enemy tries to make bad in your life. He can turn it around and make good come out of it and bring him the glory. My wife and I adopted a little baby girl over two years ago, going to be three years ago, Lily. When we ado- I don't know how it works here in Canada. But my dog, when I adopted my son, I adopted my son through an agency. The difference between adopting my son through an agency and adopting my daughter through the state was when I adopted my son, it cost me over $35,000 to adopt my son. When I adopted my daughter through the, my daughter through the state, instead of, having to, instead of having to pay for her adoption, because she went through the DHS foster care system, her adoption was for free. But what happens with that is there's a lot more stress when you go through the government to adopt a child. And so when they called us up, my wife and I were believing for a little baby girl when they called us up on july 12th they said there was a baby girl on july 7th that was just born she was addicted to she was born addicted to heroin born addicted to methadone there was a uh, she was addicted to a prescription pill that they found in her system that is actually to help people get off of hard drugs like methadone and heroin but in order to be on that on that medication you need to have a prescription from the doctor well guess what the mother didn't have a prescription from the doctor so they called us up and said do you want do you want to adopt do you want to foster this little baby do you want to come to the hospital and take her into your home we know your intent is to foster to adopt and we believe we don't want to say 100% sure but we believe we're 99% sure she's going to go up for adoption so my wife and I said we'll absolutely take her into our home we had her for two months they said now don't call her your daughter don't refer to yourself or your wife as mom and dad to her because we don't know what could happen and so when you have a little baby in your home for two months an infant and you're holding her your heart's gonna get attached you're gonna fall in love so I made the mistake of saying I'm your dad and I made the mistake of referring to Marianne as her mom because two minutes two months later after we had her I'm walking into a church service getting ready to receive from God when my wife calls me up and she says 
we have a problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, the, bio, the, the grandmother, who's not the biological grandmother, but she's married to the biological grandfather. She wants Lily to come and live with her. And so because she was married to the biological grandfather, she had first rights. So my wife told me that Lily had to be brought back to the government building so that they can give her back to her grandparents. And so I You talk about receiving discouraging news and a discouraging word before you walk into a church service. Well, I walked into that church service at Bill Winston's church in Chicago. There's this guy, Tudor Bismarck, that's preaching from Zimbabwe. He gets up and he says, there's somebody in here where the devil is trying to take someone or something away from you. But if you will get up right now in the middle of your situation and lift your hands and begin to praise God. See, I tell you, there's more than just acting like a fool when you praise God. When you praise God, you compel the presence of God into your situation to reverse everything the enemy tries to ruin in your life. So I got up in the middle of 7,000 people. He said, begin yelling that person's name out. In the middle of 7,000 people, I'm yelling out, Lily, Lily, Lily. And all the women turned around, Lord, please give him a wife so he can stay quiet. But I wasn't praying for my wife. I was praying for for my daughter. I knew in my spirit when I, after I praised, I knew in my spirit, Lily wasn't going anywhere. But I got home two days later. We get another phone call from DHS and DHS says, you have to bring her back to the, to the government bill. It's one thing to praise God when everybody's for you and celebrating with you. It's easy to praise God in that time. It's easy to hold on to the word. But it's something else when in the, in the face of contradictory evidence, when you knew God said, I'm, Lily's going to stay with you. It's something else to praise God when they come and pick up your daughter and she goes to a home that she's never been to before. And so my pastor's wife comes to my house with my wife to bring Lily back to the grandparents. I'm sitting on my couch. I get emotional. Sorry, I'm usually not a cry, but I get emotional when I talk about my kids. I'm sitting on the couch, and Lily's gone. And I begin to cry. Tears started coming down my cheek. But then I remembered I had a word from God. And sometimes, even when it didn't make any sense, you've got to hold on to that word. And I held on to the word and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command the situation to turn around. The second day I walked into the, into her bedroom. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command the situation to turn around. The third day I walked into the changing room. I picked up her onesie from the, from the changing table. I began to smell her onesie. I could smell her scent. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command the situation to turn around. My church at home was praying, Father, let her cry 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So they will want to send her back to the Pimentels. Well, three weeks later goes by. The grandmother calls us up. My wife picks up the phone and she says, honey, we made a terrible mistake. Well, what was the mistake? We now realize that you are her mother and your husband is her father. We haven't even called 
DHS up yet, but we were wondering, will you take Lily back into your home? We said, we absolutely will take Lily back into our home. The grandmother said, and I don't know what's wrong with her, ever since she came into our home, she's been crying for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This girl just won't be quiet. All she does is cry. Maybe she misses you guys. Or maybe it was the power of prayer and that there is power in the name of Jesus to reverse any situation that happens in your life. Can somebody say amen? If God did it for me, God did it for you. If he did it for me, he's going to do it for you. I don't care how great the storm in your life may be, you're going to make it to the other side. Can somebody say amen? Somebody, if you believe that, say, I'm going to make it to the other side. You're going to make it. There's going to be no sickness, no disease. Sickness and disease doesn't belong in your body. Fear and anxiety doesn't belong in your spirit. You see, you know what the devil tries to do? He tries to strike you with fear because if he can strike you with fear, you know what he does? He cripples your faith. And he wants to cripple your faith. You know why? Because it is only faith that stops the enemy. It's the shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. Can somebody say amen? Faith is the key in life. The Bible says, for this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You're going to make it to the other side. Well, what if it doesn't happen? You've got to stop talking like that, and you've got to start declaring, I'm going to make it on over to the other side. Can somebody say amen? The storm may be great. I may be in the greatest battle that I've ever fought in my life. I may be praying for my kids. I may be interceding on behalf of my kids. They're going through something right now. But I'm going to, I, God has sent me to tell you, your kids and you are going to make it to the other side of the storm. I know right now it may seem hard. It may seem tough. It may not be easy. But let me tell you something. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. And the Bible says that in the storms of life, you are not in the storm by yourself, but he is with you 100% of the way. Instead of running around, afraid, terrified, running for your life, fighting for your life, you know what you ought to do? You ought to turn that complaining tongue or that, 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 that fearful tongue, turn it from fear and turn it into a praise. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, you know why David prayed? You know why David never, ever, 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 how many people never, ever, ever, ever want to lose another battle in their life? You know why David never lost a battle in his life? Because he was a man who knew how to praise God. I don't care if you've got to pull over on the 400 and run around your car a couple of times and jump up and down and praise God. People may think you're crazy. Let them think you're crazy. You are crazy. You've got the mind of Christ. There's nothing normal about you. You're not an ordinary person. I'm not an ordinary person. I'm not normal. The, the, the moment people start looking at me and saying, well, he's just a normal, I, I, I know I've missed it. I know I got something not working in my life. I try to be far away from normal as I can. I've got supernatural power on the inside of me. I may have a normal body, 
But my, my spirit, there's nothing normal about my spirit. I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, and I've been translated into the kingdom of God's marvelous son. Can somebody say amen to that? And I now walk in dominion over every work of the devil. I walk in dominion over every storm that comes my way. I'm not saying you're not going to have storms in your life. Yes, you're going to have trials and you're going to have tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And if Jesus has overcome the world, then guess what? You're going to overcome in the name of Jesus. But this only works for believers. You're here today, and you say, well, you know, I, I, I've never made my life right with God. I've never given my life over to Jesus. Well, you know what? At the end of the service, in just about two minutes, we can easily take care of that. Because everybody has a right to experience. Everyone can be redeemable by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care what you've done, what you've said, where you've been. Everyone is redeemable by the blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm going to have our musicians come up because I, I want to let you guys out before your house is burned down because of that roast in that oven. But I'm going to have our musicians come on down. Maybe you're here today and you said, well, I'm not where I should be. See, I've gone to church for a long time. And I know you can go to church every week and not be where you should be. You can go to church every week, sing the same songs everybody sings, clap your hands, shout. You may even run around the sanctuary and not be in a right relationship with God. Maybe you're here today in the fire for the things of God have died, have gone away out of your, out of your life. The fire is quickly dimming in your life. You no longer have a passion to pray. You no longer have a passion to read the word of God. You no longer have a passion to go to church, to praise God, and to worship God. You cannot call yourself a Christian if you have no passion for the things of God. I said something Friday to the people. The LGBT, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community, They are able to do and accomplish so much. They're able to raise millions of dollars for their purposes and their agendas. Why? Because they believe. They believe in, in, in what they're promoting. They're able to gain so many people's support. People who don't even live that lifestyle. But they're able to gain so many people's support. They're able to persuade so many people and con so many people out of, their, out of their money. Why? Because they have a passion for what they believe. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you're going to have to have a passion for the things of God. And you know what? God will give you that passion. God will give you the desire to want to open up the word. God will give you the desire to want to pray and to want to worship and to want to praise him. Can somebody say amen? See, the problem is we think this is what we've got to do. But stop thinking about what you've got to do and start thinking about what God has already done. You think, well, 
I'll come to Jesus when I can get my life all straightened out. You know what? If you wait for you to get your life straightened out and come to Jesus, I can already tell you what's going to happen. You're never going to come to Jesus. Because you will never have your life so straightened out that you will want to come to Jesus. What I say is come to Jesus and he will straighten you out. Maybe you say, well, I, I feel like there isn't a God with everything that's happening in my life. You say, you were talking about the storms, preacher. I'm in the middle of a storm right now. Where's God? Why isn't he listening to me? Well, the Bible says his ears are only open to the cries of the righteous. If your life's not right with God, God doesn't hear anything you have to say until you say the first prayer. And the first prayer is this, forgive me. Come into my heart and come into my life. Because I tell you this, the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you ever hear people say, well, the moment you become saved, the moment you become a Christian, there goes all the fun in your life. No, the moment you become a Christian, your life only gets better and better and better after this. Can somebody say amen? Because you're hooked up to the one who can provide for you. You're hooked up to the one who can calm the raging seas and calm the raging winds. You're hooked up to the one that has the power to destroy every manner of sickness and disease. And you're hooked up to the one who can take you and make you a brand new person today in Jesus' mighty name. God wants to make you a brand new person today. Your neighbor may remember what you did a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. But here's the good news of the gospel. The Bible says that when you receive Jesus Christ, not only does he forgive you, but he forgets. I don't know about you. I'm thankful that he has forgotten some of the things that I've done. How many of you can say you're thankful for some of the things, that he's forgotten some of the things that you have done? Three of you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're here today. And you know what? I feel in my spirit there's people here that need to make their life right with God. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. What does that mean? That means God orchestrated this event, this day, so that you would be here and so that you could say yes to Jesus. Now listen, I'm gonna be. I'm not going to be like a lot of preachers. They'll give you like a seven-step process. Everybody close their eyes. Everybody bow their heads. Everybody lift their hands. If you want to accept, if you know you're going to go to heaven, lift your hand. If you know you're not going to go to heaven, lift your hand. Now there are those that lifted hands, those that didn't lift hands, those that couldn't lift their hands saying that they were going to heaven. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Now I'm going to ask you to come down to the front. Now I'm not going to give you a seven-step process. I'm just going to be real with you. You know your life is not right with God. Now I'm not even going to ask you to close your eyes. You know your life is not right with God, and you need to make your life right with Him. Because listen, if you can't stand up for God in here, you're sure not going to be able to stand up for God outside this outside these four walls. So this is what I'm asking you. You say, I need to make my life right with I don't want to go to hell. Nobody in the right mind wants to go to hell. But that's where you will go if your life's not right with God. When the fire is eternal. When the torment never dies. When it's continual torment and continual fire. You say, preacher, today... I want to say enough is enough to the devil. I want to say to the world, today enough is enough. And I choose to put the world behind me, and I choose to say yes to Jesus. If you're here today, and you've got the courage, and the boldness be the first one, because it's just that first person that needs to do it before others follow in your sense. Jesus said, to 
deny me before men, and I'll deny you before my Father. But if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father and his heavenly angels. This right here is your opportunity, if you need to, to either denial or to confess it. And you say today, preacher, that's me. I want to turn my life around. I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to repent of my sin, and I want to make heaven my own. I'm going to give you about five seconds, because by now you should have made the decision already. If that's you, go ahead and lift your hand in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Anyone else in the name of Jesus? Anyone else in the name of Jesus? Everybody that lifted a hand, meet me here at this altar. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In In the name of Jesus. Everybody that lifted a hand, meet me here at this altar. In Jesus' name. You've already lifted a hand. Everybody saw you. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Listen, I feel in my spirit to both of you, what this is, is a rededication to God. I feel that. You are a rededication to God. I feel it in my spirit. But today, whatever it is, the fact that you're up here, you're saying, I know that there are things in my life that are not right, and I need to make them right with God. And by you taking a step of faith here, God is saying, I see you, I hear you. And get ready for transformation and for change to take place in your life. Amen? Amen. Everybody repeat this after me. With your eyes closed now, everybody repeat this prayer after me, including the ones that are up here at this altar. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that I had the opportunity to hear your word. And so, Lord, today I'm asking you, to come into my life. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins and to make me a brand new person. So today, in front of all these witnesses, in front of heaven, I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of all my sins. So today, I am no longer a sinner, but I am God's child. Heaven is my home. I'm saved, and I'm on my way to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for making me a brand new person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now put your hands together and thank God. Hallelujah. Before you go today, I want every person to lift their hand up to heaven right now. You're going through a storm. You need God in the middle of your situation. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every work of the enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority and dominion over every power of hell in Jesus' name. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord. Father, whatever it is that the enemy has sent the way of your children, it's work in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I release healing over the bodies of your children right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Nuncio. Listen, yesterday when I was driving, right? Do you have a daughter? Yesterday when I was driving, I don't know this or anything, but I felt in my spirit. I was thinking about you. I was scrolling through my cell phone, and I saw your phone number. And I said, oh, I've got his phone number. But the moment... 
I saw your name. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, you need to pray for Nuzio's daughter. I don't know if it's something that is happening right now. The Lord wouldn't reveal anything to me. All I felt in my spirit was pray for his daughter, whether it be something that's happening now or whether it be something that the enemy is going to try to send her away. He said, you need to pray for divine protection over his daughter. And so I hope you don't mind me saying this to you publicly, and I don't know if there's anything going on, but lift your hands right where you're at right now. Father, I release divine protection over his life. I release divine protection over his daughter, over all of his children, Lord. But Father, I pray, I come against every work of the enemy that will try to distract his daughter in Jesus' mighty name. Father, I pray even today, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come to her where she's at, oh God. And Father, I pray that you would begin to reveal and speak things to her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every work that the enemy has planned for her destruction as a servant of God in the name of Jesus, I cancel it and I command it to go now in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. I just felt in my spirit to pray for his daughter yesterday, and I felt that I was going to do it in the service. I don't know anything. I don't even know if there's anything going on right now. I don't know if it was for a future thing, but Nunzio knows, and God knows. And guess what we just did? We just stopped every work of the enemy from coming against this family in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many people need healing in their body today? Tonight I'm going to lay hands on the sick. Tonight I'm going to lay hands on those that are battling with infirmity. So I encourage you, listen, like I said, if the LGBT had an event on Sunday night, guess what? They would all be there because they're dedicated. They have a passion. So if you're dedicated and you got a passion, I hope to see you here tonight, to see you here tonight at 6 o'clock. But before you go, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow an offering into the ministry. Not sowing offering into Nathan, sowing offering into the ministry so that the nation of India will be saved just like Canada is going to be saved and America is going to be saved. Can somebody say amen? But before you get ready to give, let me encourage you with something. This is all I'm going to ask you. I could stand up here for 45 minutes and speak to you why you should give and what the benefits of giving are. But I understand I'm in Canada, and in Canada they think that whenever you talk about money and finances, they say that's an American-made gospel. It's not an American-made gospel. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And how can you be having life more abundantly if you're struggling from paycheck to paycheck? That was never intended for you. But here's the secret to tapping into the financial wealth of God. This is the secret. It's obedience. A lot of people give based on what they feel they can give. A lot of people have this mentality that preachers are poor, busted, and disgusted. Two weeks ago, I was challenged. At 36 years old, challenged in a service. And I'm not saying this is what you ought to sow. But the preacher challenged us, and he said, I want everybody in here to give $1,000 to the kingdom of God. That's not some cheap change. For some people, that could be some cheap change. But for me, that was a lot of money. But you know what? The Holy Spirit said, you've been challenged, you sow. And I sowed $1,000 on the spur of the moment into the kingdom of God. 
we so we don't mind going into Walmart and seeing a television that's $2,500 on sale for $800. And because it's on sale for $800, we drop $800 on the spur of the moment. But when it comes to sowing into the kingdom of God, when it comes to reaping in the harvest in these final hours, all of a sudden $1,000 becomes a lot. I'm not saying for you to sow $1,000, but what I'm saying is this. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is that he would have you sow today so that we can make a global impact for the kingdom of God. And I've realized from experience, when God speaks to you, he's going to speak to you generously. Why? Because we're living in the final hour of the last days. And we need to do everything that we can to win the lost. When I go to India, they didn't give me a plane ticket for free because I was working for Jesus. They told me, well, I'm glad you're working for Jesus, but you're going to have to pay this much if you want to get to India and preach the gospel. It takes finances to preach the gospel. And you know who back you, you know whose responsibility that is? In mine. Because I'm not exempt from it. I'm a giver, and because I'm a giver, that's when the blessings come into your life. But it comes through obedience. So whatever it is that God speaks to you today, whether he speaks to you this morning, or whether you want to take some time to pray about it and sow it tonight, do it in either service. But as long as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, when he tells you and instructs you, Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus, says whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And listen, if God's your source, he'll provide every step of the way for you. You don't have to worry about it. Sow some seed into good ground in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.